Hello everyone, welcome back to the left page. It's a little heads up that unfortunately we've been having a streak of technical difficulties and this will be the last one. The troubles are less than the previous one for example, but there are a few and just want to give a little heads up. I've balanced the audio best I could and I think it's, I think it's pretty great. It's also a fantastic episode and it's it was a great discussion. So just wanted to give a little heads up that by next episode, this should not be a problem anymore. The solution to what happened is quite simple or ended up being if we didn't find out before. Still, hope you enjoy the episode. It was a great, it's a fun one. It's a longer one. So hope you enjoy and have fun. Welcome back to the left page. Yay, we're back. So I'm Frank, I'm your historian who, well, I have opinions today, uh, but <laughs> yeah, this is this is going to be a fun episode. I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host Bruno. Yeah, I'm here, fine, fine man of letters, just kidding, I'm not that fine, but... <laughs> oh, you are, don't sell yourself short, you're great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm already laughing at this one because we were we had like 40 minutes of pre-talk uh, before of <laughs> of recording because this book was it was a nice one but it was a nice one in a way that like it, it was basically like I I I gave this example earlier and I I don't want to lose it it was like a painting you look at at it and then you take your own conclusions like it, it doesn't get too deep inside the own book it it just it it serves you ways of thinking about some pretty gnarly stuff so yeah ju just a disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so today today we're going to be talking about science fiction which is yeah. my current area of study if yeah a couple of years earlier and about one or two generations before my my time um, we're going to be talking about Isaac Asimov's 1955 novel called The End of Eternity. So, time travel and interesting stuff. Yeah. I didn't really like the book, and we'll get on it for sure. But uh, I'll just, uh, just as a primer, like, the, there's some really, really good stuff, and there's some yeah. stuff which, like, yeah, okay, this this isn't good. Uh, overall, yeah. like, we're going to have a great discussion because, you know, even a bad book can bring great discussions. It's like yeah. the way we, we always say, it's like, read, read. You don't have to read everything, but if you want to, go ahead. Like, we'll yeah. encourage you to read and go after this stuff, even if, I don't know, like, you may, you may not want to, and that's fine. Uh, but if you do, go ahead. So... Yeah. And uh, uh, just just a, a, a small remark. I think it's uh, it's even a little bit uh, humbling to to find a book that is from a, a gigantical author as Asimov and uh, don't really liking it and having really opinion because 
I mean, nowadays, uh, in, in my area at least, uh, in literature, there are certain authors that are basically undisputable, like, oh, I, I didn't like that, and people go like, oh, yeah, because you didn't read it that well, and things like that. And I think that is total bullshit, because uh, if you didn't like the book, you, did, you simply didn't like it. It's It's pretty simple, and you can have your opinions and your uh, interpretations after reading the book so i mean it, it's nice it's uh, nice even for the podcast talking about a thing that we didn't really like oh my god this is so good and you should all read it and uh, i mean it's kind of breaks this this logic of like oh yes like the the social media logic of oh this is the best and it's great and we loved it and like no there are things that are not that good but that's not bad in itself it it, it will pro it, it produce to me nice reflections and it, it will produce a nice conversation yeah like at the end of the day like if you want to go after it later or now even go for it but yeah. if you don't uh reread it so you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> Which is a nice way of thinking about it too. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm just I'm gonna go over the the plot for a little bit just to sort of like so this is what we're talking about and then yeah. I'm most likely gonna go after a couple of subjects and themes that exist in the novel because yeah, yeah it, it, th there's a lot we're definitely not gonna be able to cover all of it. I have like three pages of extensive notes I took of it. A lot of my reactions, <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it's just. Fair warning. So, the, the, um, I'm going to go through it narratively because the book also doesn't have a completely linear narrative. Uh, yeah. We have like a couple of true stories and eventually they join together. Basically, yeah. we follow the, this man, Andrew Harlan, who is a technician. He lives in this sort of... <laughs> now it's going to get tricky. He lives in this sort of out-of-time reality and society which is that yeah. of the Eternals. The Eternals, they, they are human beings, and they live and die. They, they are not immortal. But yeah. they exist outside of the normal like timeline, or of the flow of time. Yeah. So they are, not they are outside history and basically normal existence. What they basically do is they give upon themselves this responsibility, the, the creation of Eternals, for this idea, to basically oversee humanity. And yeah. like, so, oh, there's too much, uh, there's sort of an addiction problem, or there's a really big war, so in order to avoid this, we can just like move a crate uh, from one shelf to the, to the other a hundred or five hundred years prior, and that will avoid that war because of this, 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 this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's basically what they do. And yeah. the technician, which is Harlan's position, is to go into these various centuries, time is categorized in centuries, and yeah. perform these reality changes, as they're called. A change with a capital C. Yeah. And we follow Harlan's story, or Andrew, I would mostly likely use Harlan because it's his last name and it's more identifiable. Uh, yeah. We follow his story as he sort of like he becomes this special technician because he he serves under what are like the 
the folks who work with the computers and do the calculations, which are called computers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Senior computers. Which is like the, yeah, he's like one of the most noble and uh, remarkable computers in all history of eternity. Exactly. And yeah. as he serves under him, he, we learn that Harlan is very experienced and very interested in like primitive history. And yeah. they define, we're going to get into the discussion of history later, because, well, <laughs> it's my field, I want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they define primitive history as before eternity, so before the 27th century. So basically, yeah. our timeline and a bit more that we don't get much into. But that's basically it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're that primitive, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Harlan is instructed to teach sort of this new entry into eternity. The people from eternity are picked out due to proper calculations that they're not going to alter too much and cause massive changes. Uh, so they are pulled out of time to serve in eternity, really. And he's to instruct this particular man about uh, primitive history and whatnot for a special assignment. Uh, however, Harlan, in one of the reality changes, is forced to come into contact with a woman named Noise Lambert. Yeah. It's really weird, uh, but, but so it, it has an umlaut in the Y. So N-O, umlaut Y-S. <laughs> so we're going to call it her noise. Uh, yeah. Be, just because, because who knows? <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. Uh, anyway. We we don't uh, we don't have her here to consult how to pronounce her name. <laughs> yeah, sadly, it's beyond our reach for now. <laughs> and she she's there. She's sort of pulled out of time to help with a particular assignment that a change that Hal is going to perform, and we learn that the Society of the Eternals has little to no women because apparently they are important because they're wives and mothers so they they cannot exist they're too important to reality uh and time so they can't be in the turn yeah basically every uh, i i think it's something like every woman that is removed from from reality causes 10 times more damage than a, a common like uh low class man that doesn't have like any bonds in reality like that's that's basically the the type of 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 person that they they try to get is a is a person that doesn't have really strong bonds with with its families and doesn't have a girlfriend or a wife is just like a man that just basically can be re uh, in that way that doesn't really sound good but it he can be removed from society without being noticed, basically. Yeah, without being noticed, and in a way that like does not cause any ripples to the timeline. Exactly. So it's like, oh, you're you're not important to the future of humanity. So let's <laughs> pull you out and make you important. I guess. <laughs> that 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 must that must feel really good for your ego. <laughs> I wonder, and, and like you can be shunned even the eternal society, but that's a whole other story we might get. Yeah. To. Oh well, so uh, this he he has never had contact with women, and he has a very uh, derogative view of them as temptation and whatnot. The way I was mentioning, it's like Harlan's basically an incel. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm pushing it a bit. He, we'll get to it, but you know, yeah. he's a bit of a dick. But yeah. okay. So he he's uncomfortable, but she is so sexy and attractive. So <sighs> he like he can't help but stare and whatnot. So he has yeah. to, and he needs to interact with her when he goes into the this. I don't remember the century. Is the four hundred eighty second, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they categorize everything in centuries, and that becomes relevant later. Um, yeah. And in the four hundred second century, he's got to perform that change, and he needs to mingle with noise in that past. So yeah. he spends about a week there in the past, and or in time, as they say, because it's not yeah. past. And. And they have relations, and he, he like is reluctant to interact with her and whatnot. But she sort of comes on to him, and there are reasons yeah. for that which are more or less valid. There's some that are more. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's because we're trying to tell the story and the world in one go, which is a difficult <laughs> yeah. thing to do. <laughs> it, it's sort of the only way that we're going to talk about it thematically. <laughs> It's, I, I was going to say something, but yeah, we'll talk about it later, sorry. <laughs> oh no, you have no need to apologize, my friend. It was exactly as you were going to say, like, major spoilers, and I was going to make a joke that basically spoiled everything up, so just go on, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it in a moment. <laughs> yeah. It's a convoluted story, if narratively yeah. quite simple. The sort of she comes on to him and whatnot, despite him being, like, sort of cold and distant, and they sort of hook up, for have a sort of one-night stand, but he has to leave because uh, <laughs> he, he needs to leave and she needs to be left behind in order to alter, uh, to be changed in the reality change that he has affected. Yeah. What then happens is that he's, like, because she's so amazing, he sort of falls for her and decides to sort of rescue her from the reality change. Because she, since she was in time, when the reality change would take place, she would disappear. She would sort of meld or reforge into time in a different way. It's, uh, there's, the there's a calculation that they do in order to predict the best possible reality change. So like, okay, you don't have to destroy... Uh, a, uh, a ship with thousands of lives will, won't be lost, but like yeah. a, a 20 will die in that sort of scenario. Um, yeah. It's, um, we'll get to it. <laughs> but he decides to rescue her and he hides her in what they call the hidden centuries because what we learn is that upwards to like the 70,000th century is how far they can reach and enter into time. Beyond that, yeah. they, the, the sort of like eternity is sort of a series of rooms or a sort of central hub and headquarters that yeah. exists through time. It, they created it somehow. And yeah. it exists in all centuries. But, so it, is, it exists sort of, it feeds from the energy of the sun. So it exists for like thousands and hundreds of thousands and mil millions of years. Yeah, and even after the, the sun explodes and causes a, a supernova sun, they get even better energy from the supernova sun, so it's like, it's really, oh, yeah, really long. The, yeah, they get the energy from the future, you're right. Yeah. Because <laughs> of course they yeah. do. And yeah. <laughs> they... But upwards from the 70,000, 
there is they can't enter into time so the all of eternity beyond that is empty so he hides her in like the 100 111,000 something something um, yeah where they call the hidden centuries where because they can't enter into time there so they don't know what like is going on with humanity uh, basically they can uh, it, it's like sort of occultist like they can but the only time they tried the person never came back and they were like yeah so maybe we won't do that again because we are just killing people and then they never send anyone again basically pretty much yeah. pretty much so he hides her there and then he comes back and he's sort of guilty and he like he did a lot of it because he was jealous that the guy he was working for in the 482nd century was wanting to be with noise so Harlan's a bit of a muppet a great deal <laughs> of the time he's very clueless um, and projects a bunch of stuff so that happens a great deal there too and he comes back and he sort of goes into time again to sort of get off some of her stuff and he does that a couple of times and eventually he can't do that again he does that like twice and almost runs into himself which is amusing if I don't know I thought that was going to go somewhere eventually but it never really did it was just sort of like a fun thing to include I guess yeah and but he can't reach through uh, like the 100,000th century so he can't reach the 111,000th so he comes back and he's pissed and furious and he wants like, oh, what's going on? What? Why isn't this taking place? And then he finds out like the the people in charge of eternity, the Owen Council, will have a special meeting with him. And then he goes and it's like, oh, what what's this about and whatnot? But it's like, <laughs> what we end up finding out is that senior computer Twistle, his boss sort of tells him, despite the fact that Harlan figured most of it out, more or less, uh, due to a couple of reasons, that the thing about him being into primitive history and teaching that particular man that we mentioned earlier about primitive history is so that person can go back in time and establish the theory to its eternity. Because the theory <laughs> to eternity was established in the 23rd or 24th century. But yeah. eternity was only developed in the twenty seventh. However, yeah. in as Harlan like figures out, and he's told the mathematical equations and theories necessary to sort of discover the idea to to time travel and eternity that are discovered before the creation of eternity depend on these later equations. In other words, yeah. eternity exists because of a time paradox. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they need to sort of close the circle. Yeah. Uh, however, Harlan is sort of like jealous. It's like, no, I want to be with her. And because I think you're lying to me that I won't have her, uh, I'm just going to sabotage and kill and destroy eternity because of reasons. So yeah. he sort of sabotages the project and stops and sends the guy to a random time. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, no, but like, oh, she is actually there. And then they go find her. And she's like, oh, she, she's there. So, oh, I'm going to go back with her to sort of fix it because that's the only way that I'm going to be sure that you're not going to do anything to her. And then we'll go, we'll find him, we'll talk to him 
because they find a particular clue and whatnot, that's not that important, uh, if interesting, regarding time travel. Yeah. So they go back, and when they're there, like, Harlem has figured out because of a couple of things that uh, Twistle was saying, and I'm going through this a bit quickly because we've been 20 minutes and we haven't gone past the main plot. <laughs> uh, but we still did describe a bit of the world, so at least we got a major context. Yeah. Which is a good thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because uh, j- j- just a little remark, because I, f- I think, as I was saying earlier, this book is a lot about, like, uh, it has such a neat uh, organization inside of it so that you can talk about its themes outside of the book. So mm-hmm. if you don't get why those things happen in the book and why they happen and how they happened, it, it-, it just gets sort of uh, too shallow to talk about so yeah i I, even though it's it's 21 minutes of talking about the the plot in general i think it's important as well yeah like we need to lay this groundwork otherwise what we're going to talk about will make no sense to someone who hasn't read it exactly and as always we want to bring those who read have read it will or won't read it into the conversation yeah Uh, with us as well that's the whole point so yeah him and Noyce go back to the past, the primitive time with a particular capsule. Uh, they're called Cattles, because yeah. why not? And there, they uh, like Harlem figured most of it out because some of a couple of things Twistle was saying, and because Twistle knew nothing about the hundred thousandth century time barrier. Basically, here's the thing, and this is the major spoiler. Uh, yeah. If we haven't spoiled the entire narrative already. Uh, noise was actually from the hundred thousand and eleventh, however you pronounce a hundred and eleven thousand centuries. Um, <laughs> God forbid, she's from then, and a, it goes for like hundred eleven thousand three hundred and something. Um, yeah. And she she tells that her particular time uh, discovered a different way to understand and look into time. Which is more in yeah. line with like quantum it's, theory, uh, if you, as you were saying, you're telling me. The yeah, the classical difference between like one eternal uh, timeline where everything that you do in the past and in the future uh, affects the same timeline, versus that that is the eternal way, versus the the infinite worlds theory, which in quantics says that. Every time that you have a, basically any relation with the quantic world, you you create new universes from your interaction with the universe. Yeah, that's that's basically the two things that we have we have them both in this book, and they actually work together, which yeah. is like my personal opinion. The best thing about this book is how time works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not the only good thing, but it's the best. Yeah, because th- th- that's why I said it's so. It, it, that's why I said it's so neat the way it, it, it rounds itself in, and it it auto completes itself inside the the narrative because it, it just uh, uses time in such a a, a nice smooth way. I think it it really does. That yeah. it really does. Yeah. And. So Noise tells him that, which is something he was sort of suspecting and all that. 
And she says, how, like, okay, we discovered that, and we found out that there exists a sort of basic state to humanity. That yeah. it is to sort of conquer the stars and rule the galaxy sort of first. Uh, that's its basic state. What eternity has done is sort of steered humanity from that basic state. Uh, because thanks to, like, a greater focus in time studies and what ends up being, like, eternity breeds sort of conformity and sort of moderate ideas. Again, we'll talk about this. Yeah. But because of all that, the uh, humanity went into the, like, the galactic space race late. So all the planets were, like, uh, hands-off or no vacancy, private property, quotation marks a great deal of that is actually said um no vacancy yeah. i remember particularly and because this humanity doesn't enter into this galactic race earlier it's it ends up confined to earth as a prison and eventually it sort of runs into the ground and gets extinct so yeah. in order to prevent that uh, noise was selected or chose to go back into at least one sort of timeline and destroy or prevent eternity from ever happening. And she yeah. chose this timeline because it was a timeline where she would fall in love and be with Harlem. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. The, yes. The, the, the Harlem, the, the ultra super nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a that isn't that's definitely not a romance that fell out of the sky. Definitely yeah. not. Very well built up. In any case, um, she she tells him all that and that what would happen is that with the end of eternity uh, and sort of giving a particular hint to sort of the development of the atom bomb. Uh, humanity would go into nu nucleonics, as they say, nuclear physics and theory, and yeah. would develop sort of space travel beforehand, and instead of eternity, we'd have infinity of space to establish a galactic empire, where there would be different planets with different experiences and ideas and propositions, and yeah. because then they would be the first. So... There's a lot that I don't like with this particular ending, but we'll get to that. So this is the yeah. plot. This is what happens yeah. in the entire novel. <laughs> and with a great yeah. deal of world building, because we explained eternity pretty much. Yeah. So. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I think let's start with a very simple one, um, which is one of the things that I, I don't like about eternity. Not a, a sort of a, a reader, but a sort of like, the way it's sort of built inside the book. Because uh, there are things I don't like about Eternity, which are one thing, it, it sort of like an extra textual, historical interpretation. And there are things I don't like it, because conceptually how they work. Uh, I'm going to yeah. go with the latter first. Okay. Because, so here's what I, is interesting, and I don't like from it, about Eternity from the very beginning. Eternity basically destroys history. Like yeah. a historian, this this thing is a this small thing. I'm making inverted commas, but you can't see them. Is very important yeah. to me. And yeah. what eternals, what the eternals and eternity does is by affecting these reality changes throughout hundreds and thousands, 
decades and centuries of mankind, uh, what they do is they prevent humanity itself uh, in time of developing the experiences and ideas and collective knowledge and we, we, it goes as far as even like culture and ideas they don't have this experience to sort of prevent the things that the actual Eternals are preventing so yeah. as we were saying like oh because there will be a particular war we will avoid this in this particular way since like since we in time would not live through that war that war never exists in the first place so there is no experience of that war. Basically, yeah. there, there exists no fixed history. In other words, there is no history. Uh, they yeah. make that, that's why they make this sort of distinction like primitive history, because it is fixed and it is unchangeable. Uh, that's yeah. why it's primitive. That's the word it's used. And, but with eternity, there exists no longer history. The only ones who experience history are the Eternals. Because other than like keeping logs and accounts of what they do, what they change and don't change, uh, they also collect certain objects of like books and culture and whatnot. Uh, and these exist outside of time, but they only they 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 are the only ones that have it. And the curious yeah. thing is, they're not going to use that. I just remembered a yeah. discussion of Zardos, because yeah. <laughs> those who would utilize the culture that the Eternals, again, Eternals, from Zardos, <laughs> those that would benefit from that culture are completely outside of those objects of culture and art. So yeah. what we have, what we have, is the Eternals, they end up, well, they make a mockery out of time. Uh, yeah. As my historian, I think I'm allowed to say that. Maybe not, but I'm going to say it anyway, uh, because it's fun. And they make a mockery out of history, and they create history for themselves. Yeah. The thing is that I, I work and I think upon history, and this, the podcast, is a really big part of it, is history is not something private for academia. Like, it is fun, it is a hobby, it's something that I enjoy too, but it's definitely yeah. something to be shared with people who want it, who's that, whom that history belonged to. It's the whole yeah. thing about, like, oral history. And, okay, you do interviews, you work upon that material, and you develop your work. Something that's really yeah. important is presenting that work in a way that is agreeable to them, and if it's not, then rethinking that work and not presenting it in full academically before that. Uh, to the people with whom you did that work, because they are the yeah. ones that are actually involved in that work. It's quite literally their voice. You yeah. aren't like, and that's why I think I've said this before, but I think it's a good distinction to make. Something I've learned this year that you're not giving them a voice; you're amplifying their voices, and you are giving them what belongs to them. Yeah, and I think that is essential. Yeah. Uh, I I just want to make a a a little comparison. Like of this course. way of of creating history that the Eternals use, it's basically like the paradox of the weakening of the of a immune system. Like mm -hmm. which is like uh, I myself have a, a a really 
deep passion in in physical education and, and theory and, and things like that and in the body and those kinds of natural aspects and one of the things uh, that doesn't really ring with me with the whole book is that uh, as you said when you erase history you are like basically the immune system is a is a system where our our weaknesses become our ways to become stronger and to survive basically so when you have uh, eternity working as a, a medicine almost like a pill to solve all of the weaknesses that will be lived and will be felt in history you are basically creating a humanity that has a, a sterile story that doesn't face any kinds of challenges in a way that it just keeps going into uh, a sort of, uh, how can I say, in sort of a progress that is dictated by the ones that work in eternity. So it's almost like an aristocracy of what the world should be. Yeah. And that yeah. and that just creates, uh, uh, basically, just creates plastical history. It's not organical history, basically. Yeah, it's like, uh, and it's one of the, it's interesting, uh, it's one of like the arguments against uh, utopia, or uh, yeah. even literary utopia, that like, yeah. it removes challenge, and it removes this idea that like, oh, without hardship, without, and on the capitalist angle, without competition, without like, yeah, the yeah. struggle of the free market, then, yeah. uh, oh, then humanity is fated to sort of, disappear or wither away and that's why like and it's something that i have been reading more extensively on is that yeah. utopia has and literary utopia has always like good literary utopia has always been critical from thomas morris to Le Guin, for example and yeah. it, it it can be like sort of sharp-edged and insightful and interesting in a way that like okay so this exists and it can be seen from certain lights in utopia, but it's not, it's ambiguous, it's not perfect, because humanity isn't, so it'll never be, but there are different exactly. challenges to overcome and think about. So, exactly. like, what I'm saying is, using this particular point, utopia is possible, not as, a, not, not as perfection, but as a definite not, goal. Not, not as utopian. <laughs> exactly, like, it's utopia much like revolution it's a process it's not a fixed yeah. thing utopia is exactly. if i may be so bold an eternal process one which we're yeah. far from even starting but yeah. it is it is one that i think and feel that must be pursued because you know yeah pretty good <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I i completely agree what the eternals end up doing is they create that they remove like any sort of lived experience because exactly. to to use it on like sort of uh, alignment terms humanity is under complete tutelage so they're being tutored and guided into particular ways without their knowing even which is worse yeah uh, but yeah. it would just be as bad if it knew but since even they don't know they're not allowed to face these particular challenges and hardships on their own 
so they're just being self-controlled and manipulated. Yeah. So yeah, I, I overall I. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I was just going to say that it like it begs the question like because the book uh, that's one of my critics of the book as well like it, it seems that Eternals have a basic like statistical way to look at which things are are good to to change basically mm -hmm. like oh in this moment there's a war and there's the option of i don't know j just inventing numbers here but uh, there's a chance of a war with uh, 1 million deaths and there's a uh, a way with 200,000 deaths so they always choose the one uh, with less deaths which would be logical but in the same way it begs the question like <laughs> uh, uh, sort of going into into almost conspiracy and thinking about thinking about our own reality and the the, the all these theories about uh, the probability of we uh, we in real life li uh, 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 that we are inside a simulation it begs the question like what I'm trying to to say is like maybe inside a simulation wars and conflict and things that look horrible could be the less worse option of of someone that's like uh deciding what's going to happen like like i'm just being playful here thinking about history like <laughs> i don't know hiroshima and nagasaki is a uh, less worse version of a nuclear cataclysm of eternal nuclear bombing and a nuclear winter and something like that, you know? Yeah, like it, it's sort of the, it's the utilitarian position that's like, oh, what is the most benefit to the happiness of all? Like, and that can easily sort of spiral out of control. Exactly, uh, have, because it's, uh, the, it's the opinion of the person who's who's deciding the change who's who's with the knife in his hands basically yeah like utilitarian like if you try to apply utilitarianism it goes it theoretically if only it goes away really fast because how do you define because utilitarianism sort of bases itself on like the greatest happiness for the greatest number of people uh but what does that happiness yeah. entail like to get an obvious example oh like the torture and uh, punishment of one person uh, can be the cause of joy for like a hundred uh, but yeah. is that like is should you do that like according to the yeah. utilitarian calculus uh, yes but it, yes. it's a mess like the utilitarianism when it devolves further it, it sort of collapses to my yeah. perspective very much uh, but I, I think I think it really does um, yeah I, I have no qualms about criticizing it uh, yeah, uh, I'm just I agree saying, with you. Like, I, I, yeah, my philosophical knowledge of it is limited, but that's yeah. I know enough about it to this. In <laughs> any case, even like this, that, and you. The problem is like another great thing about it is that you take away like, because in the counters to all the Eternals narrative and ideas, like people don't matter. The, this individual stories and like what actual people do like their history is irrelevant like mm, who cares 
So, <laughs> they also don't factor culture into the equations. So yeah. it's, again, pretty blunt. And there's, there's something, noise says this, and this is brilliant. Not in the ways that, like, because uh, the ripples of that are, are still relevant today because all the calculations are made by computers. But it's like, what Noyce points out is like, oh, but who do you think programs the computers? Exactly. That creates these <laughs> ideas. It's like, that's the whole thing about like, biased algorithm, racist algorithm, algorithms. That's like, that's still a whole thing. So it's like, yeah. that's, that's nice. I'm, I'm absolutely sure that wasn't that intended because, you know, yeah. he, it, it's so funny. Like he says at the beginning that like the pinnacle of storage is microfilm and i was like oh yeah. my god this is so funny <laughs> this is so funny uh, yeah it, it's so I, precious yeah when i was reading it and i i think maybe this will be the song that we should use as the outro and intro song that is that song uh egy that says what a beautiful world this would be what a glorious time to be free and you know and, and there's a part where he says just machines to make big decisions programmed with passion and vision and you're <laughs> like yeah yeah that will work <laughs> sure sure <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that's that's a good idea i'll, I'll definitely put it as an app. I, think, I think it will work weirdly but i think it makes sense yeah <laughs> but yeah like you, you do because that's the whole point like if like the machines seem impersonal but they're really not and that's yeah. something that noise points out so yeah. i think that's a good transition point to like talking about why because from all accounts uh, at least from some of the elements that were given and like even if harlan when harlan decides first because of jealousy and paranoia to destroy eternity. I don't think he has enough reasons to do that. But I think we yeah. as the reader are led to believe that eternity is bad because of yeah. some pointers and, and things that are like, oh, eternity is not good because yeah. of these questions, these dilemmas, it doesn't consider culture. It does this, it does this, it does this, it does this. So yeah. we're conditioned to think like, oh, eternity is bad. So what Harlan is doing is like sort of good even if Harlem himself doesn't have that many reasons at that point to do so. And later on, yeah. he does. But yeah. uh, regardless of that, the characterization of eternity, to me, to me, I also was looking at it because I've seen, we, again, Bruno and I have read familiar, similar works, like dystopias and whatnot, and we recognize yeah. some of these elements. To me, particularly, because I was looking at, at it with a more historical angle, I read a lot of the criticisms and elements to be quite rightfully opposed as in eternity, the way it's described, as a sort of like analogy to the Soviet Union or how the Soviet Union was pictured or it presented itself in propaganda as well. So like, yeah. for example, it, there's a particular, there are very scenes where like the Eternals say that they're doing this for the benefit of humanity, for the, like a, a collective benefit uh, for all. Yeah. And, yeah. like, you've seen before that, like, that's not really that simple or not even the case. But yeah. a lot of it felt to me that, like, it's a sort of strawmanning of the Soviet Union. 
And I'm like, I'm not going to be controversial. And like, I think it's fairly clear to me and the most leftists today, or people who like actually do the work, or even like <laughs> some care, that like, Soviet Union was not an overall great experience. Exactly. Like, it, <laughs> th- that's the whole thing. Like, it wasn't a, the worst possible thing in humanity. It's it, definitely not. But yeah. it, it had way, way, way too many problems, and it didn't work because of internal conflicts, but it was also a pretty big mess. Uh, there was a great deal of persecution. There was a great deal of state control. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. And I, I think it, it, it always goes it always goes back to the... It, it sort of seems like a simplistic argument to make, but it's actually... It isn't simplistical because it's a it's a way of critics, which is the thing that we basically say basically say in every podcast, which is that Marxism is the uh, eternal critics, or in this case, the infinite critics of everything. Uh, yeah. And 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 that's the whole point. Like you you can't you can't be uh, doing the the job of an <laughs> of an eternal. And just going like, no, no, I think this is good, and yeah, because it's from our team, and yeah, we should keep it like that, and that's it. <laughs> like uh, as as you as you perfect uh, as you perfectly uh, said, like anyone that considers himself as a as more of a leftist and do his job, know uh, the the important critics that we need to do about Soviet Union to think of new better experiences exactly exactly that's the whole point like it it, we need to do that and but along with that it also incorporates the idea that like the soviet union is not one solid thing and i think that's one of the things that i I was telling bruno that like i felt that a lot of the criticisms of the analogy that i think it's established i may be reading a bit too much into it i I will see that but even yeah, if yeah. I am, like I think some of these points are valid, that the criticism yeah. feels a great deal destructive rather than constructive, because it seems to me that it's sort of like, oh, look at how foolish they are, thinking like they they want to, or they're capable of even working upon like, oh, the good of humanity, how silly, in in a way that seems to devalue socialism and communism as a whole, and not in a way that like, okay, this this doesn't work and this has many problems. How can we do better, or what can be salvaged, and what can't, and what must yeah. be? So I, I think that's why that's what bothered me a great deal, and that's something that I I was quite excited to say in the podcast. That like, because <laughs> like I'm so done with strawmanning the Soviet Union. I'm so yeah. done. Like, because yeah. we've read it all before. Like, what is 1984 or like Animal Farm? If not like, yeah, there. Are, and those have better criticism, especially Animal Farm. But like yeah, 1984, yeah. It, it, at times it's like such a straw man at times. Like, yeah, okay, I get it, but it's like, so what? And that was something I was actually talking a bit about with Ash from The Horror of Anger, that uh, dystopias, a great deal of the time, not always, and I, I think Philip K. Dick, at least what we talked about, uh, in and do androids dream of electric sheep doesn't do as much of that, but dystopias a great deal of the time don't always show much of the future or project to the future, 
but reflect certain anxieties and questions of their own time, sometimes in a yeah. very time-located way. Like, yeah. yeah, Brief New World points out to sort of like the drug thing in a way that's more far, more distant, but yeah. in Fahrenheit 451 doesn't really do that. Fahrenheit yeah. 451 is like, it's some very vague concerns that like it doesn't yeah. execute as well, I don't think. And yeah. in a way, like this, I felt that this uh, work, uh, that the end of eternity, the etern eternity itself shows a lot more about like certain concerns with the Soviet Union or a particular view of it than it portrays any other real like sort of time manipulating dystopia. Uh, yeah. if I may be so bold so yeah like that's just uh, my my two cents the way I interpreted it and yeah like it, it's it's definitely an interesting society that of eternity and its functioning is quite curious yeah oh just a, a comment and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you speak for a bit I'm sorry no no uh, <laughs> oh, no yeah um, yeah yeah but the, the thing that, that we mentioned, that, like, there are barely any women in Eternity. Um, yeah. The, one of the things, like, okay, like, uh, women are more important to the timeline. Okay, that's one thing. But you have the other problem, which is, like, so you think yourselves fit to rule over the entirety of humanity by cutting out the perspective of half of it? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, y you know, that, that's, that's the sort of thing that isn't that clear but it's when you do these sort of arrangements and positions like that's what you're backing off that's like when you don't have and this is a personal grudge of mine when you don't have women priests for example and, and i'm catholic so we don't unfortunately yeah. maybe someday i hope <laughs> uh, you're basically ruling out half a size of experiences and these are yeah. very different and particular experiences and like yeah we as people need to listen to these other experiences it's like we speak and we listen that that's the whole thing and yeah yeah, yeah i think uh, i think everything you're saying goes exactly in the direction of the thing that i was talking about earlier about mm -hmm. uh plastical history yeah i mean it, it just becomes and i i get exactly what you're talking about the sort of destructive criticism and this sort of mockery of of things because mm -hmm. it's really uh i mean in in and talking about time travel and timelines in the timeline that we live in in the context of the the cold war and everything uh it it uh and, and even considering like we live in in brazil which uh had lots of uh, influences from the cold war from united states side mm -hmm. it gets almost like impossible to not make these parallels because that's the first thing that pops in your head like as you're saying like we need to uh, to criticize those those experiences and and all those things but i mean we are already tired of idiotical critics because it, it happened since the beginning of the Soviet Union and it still happens and it's still this kind of uninformed critics of things and it just goes on in a way that it's it's not constructive and it just keeps happening because we're in a timeline where things went the way they did 
<laughs> yeah, we've had enough of American propaganda. Exactly, exactly. Like I mean, uh, as we were talking about in, in in the other day, in a in a personal friend group uh, of uh, myself and Frank, we we're talking like, oh no, because America, uh, America, the United States think that they they have all this power, and then they need to to go into other countries and help. But <laughs> uh, I mean, n nobody called for help basically. And, yeah. and 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 when they help, it's just like, yeah, we're helping, and you better. It, it, it's 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 almost like as you're talking about the opposite experience of basic uh, Catholic beliefs, basic beliefs of like it's the opposite of what Jesus would do, basically. It's like they help to become like this sort of paternalistical figure of hey we helped so you uh, it's almost like you owe us but without saying like yeah we saved you, you we save your butt and that's because we are the greatest country in the world and we are working to make the world a better place but the the better place that they are making is just an interpretation of their own beliefs it's uh, again it's it's the plastical history you have uh, uh, a way to change history and to make decisions that are based on your beliefs and not in the beliefs of the whole world and you act upon it mm -hmm. and like it, it, it's very much like oh we're here to help never mind we're taking that oil that's we'll, we'll take yeah that. <laughs> so, yeah you know. exactly Oh, and, and don't pay attention. We're, we're just building a couple of bases here, it's just to make sure everything's fine. Yeah, yeah just yeah, just like, to, to we need to to uh, guarantee democracy here for life. Yeah. So we will be here for life as well. <laughs> I, I, that's generally something I think about because I think we're particularly sensitive to American imperialism. Yeah. Because like. Brazil wasn't didn't have like an American coup in in the 20th century, but the military coup that we had, well, there was a particular plan for U.S. forces to assist in that it being it was successful. So you know, it yeah. almost happened. Good enough for yeah. us. It it also helped U.S. interests, and they definitely helped a lot. So you know, yeah. we, we we at least we. Uh, more in touch with this and more from a left position like we hold a much clearer grudge against it and see it like it's a it's a shit lens sadly to, yeah. to have it but it's one yeah. that like we can see it and like yeah we, we see that like much of more obvious in a way that like, exactly we don't need to do, um, build that in ourselves because exactly we've never had it in the first place <laughs> yeah and now we have bolsonaro which basically is the uh, uh, it's the exact opposite of what we're talking about. He's like doing everything possible to please the United States and Trump specifically. And we basically destroyed all of our diplomatic relationships with the Middle East, with China, Russia, with France, uh, Germany, uh, Argentina, Chile. I mean, the list goes on. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, I, I don't even have anything else to say about the topic because 
the it's just so moronic the way that the our president goes on with stuff that it, it doesn't get to the point of oh he did that because of this and actually he has a plan behind it. it's just like no he, he he's just dumb and he likes the united states so that's what he does he he basically we are basically uh saying what trump says but we are not the greatest uh superpower in terms of money and and bellic power in the world we are just <laughs> You're just Brazil with a moron on, on office. So, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, to, uh, to enjoy this brief interlude that we're talking about Brazilian politics, just so yeah. everyone has an idea. <laughs> oh, God. Like, more people have died in Brazil thanks to the coronavirus than, like, people have died from, like, I'm not sure if both blasts, but at least one of the blast from Hiroshima and Nagasaki. <laughs> like, that, like, yeah, like, uh, which yeah. tells, in our case, like, over 94,000 people. Yeah, uh, which and, is and, more, uh, yeah. And, and even, and even worse, like, I mean, not worse, but another number that is really haunting, basically, is the number of uh, infected people. Because yeah. e even though we still problem. lose to 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 the United States in deaths and infected people, uh, we basically the amount of infected people in Brazil is something like ten percent or something bizarre of all infected people uh, in the world, yeah, and it, it just goes bad. to show that it's just like we. I mean, uh, I'm being serious, basically nothing happened here it, it just like when things were bad like in, in the whole world and people were going crazy and italy was getting wrecked and everything was going to shit we are we were like oh yeah but is it so bad like not we because i was already uh, like trying to stay at home uh like we made some gigantical grocery shopping and we were trying to stay at home um, as much as possible and people were like no no i think i think it, it will not come to brazil like it, it's not going to happen and then one week later it was like already everything was fucked up and the uh, the politicians and the president weren't able to even start think about the problem when it, it was already happening here basically yeah, and like they now they're reopening and like we're still the, the cases are still not decreasing. Like, should yeah. we tell them that about like our health minister, or should I say lack thereof? Yeah, exactly. I think we're almost like uh, how two, much? three months without without a yeah. A, a it's like health minister almost yeah. eighty days without a health minister during yeah. the pandemic. Like that's yeah. that's just so. That's absurd. Like that's that, yeah. they don't words. Like it, yeah. it is an absolute mess. Like we we talk about it and we we half joke because like we laugh so we don't cry. Quite exactly. honestly. So exactly. Yeah, that's a, a, an interlude talking about uh, Brazilian politics because, good God, we kind of need to talk about it at times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it's it, it is a mess. It, it is a mess. Thus, we turn to literature, and we we turn to other ways of thinking. I turn to utopia in my own research. So you know, if that doesn't tell you something, I'm not sure what will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we we've been at this for a little while, but I still think we can go for for at least a couple of things. Um, there was one thing that Bruno and I were talking about before, and I think that there's a lot to deal with that from both when we look at it like, okay, this is something that some of it is quite interestingly handling it at its from its time, others not so much, and a great deal of it is part of its time and how we look upon it now, which is like how we deal and interpret and see like the sexism in a great deal of this book. Like, yeah. I think first of all, there's a great like Harlan is portrayed as a sexist character. Yeah. Uh, that that I think is quite clear. The book status is more variable. I I think, I think uh, uh, the book overall, uh, like Bruno was telling me, is that, and ultimately I agree, it's not much more or not much less than it would have been like a, a sci-fi novel from '55. And exactly. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. which means yeah. it is quite sexist uh, when we look at it from now. Like, it, it is more yeah. understandable when we look at it. as like, okay, this is sort of fitting with its time. Not more justifiable, but, you know, it's it understandable. Like, I'm a historian. It's, it, it's yeah. important to do this sort of work and this particular look. It's like, yeah, this, this makes more sense than and it's not particular one thing or another. Yeah. Harlan, however, it's like he's very much, and that's sort of like what what kept me sort of thinking about the problem because Harlan is very clearly caught as being sexist in ways that would have been strong for its time and others that would be more subtle for its time. But like, okay, I get it now. So, for example, what I think the the society of the four hundred eighty second century is matrilineal. No, not matrilineal. I'm thinking about something else. Matriarchal. Yeah, that's the word. And yeah. the sort of greater sexual freedom and whatnot. And he's like, oh, this is, this is dreadful. What a horrible society of depravity. And uh, oh, yeah, here you go. I wrote it down. It's without ethics yeah. or principles. Hedonistic, <laughs> materialistic, more than a little matriarchal. So I'm like, uh, potentially, all those things are good. <laughs> potentially, yeah. all those things are good. Um, yeah. I think yeah. some of that is sort of a portrayal of like, oh, look at him, he's clearly sexist. Others is like, yeah. oh, it's a sort of sexism that sort of goes into like, the matriarch... <coughs> Sorry, I've uh, been talking a lot. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, like, the matriarchal thing is definitely something that's more subtle, I think, uh, yeah. than like, oh, hedonistic and without ethics or principles. Exactly. I, I just want to make a little remark that most of times, like even taking it as a, a person that, that writes as well, thinking about it as being a, a science fiction from 55, there's a, a lot of moments where authors uh, basically use opposites to mm -hmm. evoke the, the notion of complete and uh, like uh, complete change, basically. So by saying that, oh my God, like it's matriarchal and doesn't have the the same ethical ways of looking at stuff and the way that people 
dress and, and act is all different is uh, at the same time that is analyzing now it is uh, sexist in the same way it's just like a literary a literary way of like saying oh my god things change like uh, we we flipped the table basically and and society is completely different in this world and things are not as you would think like it it it, it looks and it's I'm, I'm not trying to say that that I'm <laughs> that I would find a better solution than Asimov at that time but it's it's basically like uh, almost like a not not lazy but it's a simple solution to mm-hmm. ah we live in a today we live in a world that is like this and in i don't know 100 years it will be the exact the exact opposite and that is it's really captivating to to science fiction because it's like oh the future is so bright and different and the opposite of what we live now so yeah maybe it has this aspect to it perhaps like i think so much we're talking about maybe think of it as like it's not that you can't or shouldn't even represent a society or characters which are clearly and openly sexist, um, at least to the reader or if not to the society itself. But I think, and that's why I sort of doubt whether how much the book is or isn't, is how you handle that. And in the book, that's never really, like, I, I wrote it down like that, that Hardin never, like, knocked down a peg because of his sexism. He is, for mm-hmm. other reasons, for being, like, more, uh, for being jealous, for being half naive, half paranoid, but yeah. never because of that. That is handled uh, more subtly or, or yeah. in ways that at least I didn't pick up as much. So it's, like, the impression I get is that, like, yeah, it, it is portraying this as sexist and it is the, a society that seems clearly sexist in a negative way by the book yeah but it doesn't seem to engage in that in any interesting or critical way that like oh look how this is wrong or how this is falling apart because of this or that in a way that isn't also sexist like uh for, for example and and it, these things are trying to get with what i said before like yeah. the, in eternity there are no actual ties there is no family which again seems like a critique of a stereotype of the Soviet Union, and also like, oh, look at how this is uh, wrong, but and how this society is closed, but in a way that isn't points to like, oh, uh, independence, but like, oh no, they should be married, there should be families and traditional families. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I agree with you. At the end of the day, like Harlan gets everything he wants. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he he sort of gets worried a couple of times, but like he he sort of wins it all. You said this, I think, and if almost in this way, Holland gets it all in a silver platter. Exactly. He's toyed around basically the entire novel, if we're led to believe like this, and he just like, oh, I just get everything. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as we we were talking earlier about him being a, a an incel, and it's basically like he doesn't have any social manners or skills or anything to deal with a woman, and then like he he's like this this incel way of of trying to no no I can't talk with you I, I mean it's it's just wrong and I have repulse 
and I'm here for work and you're just fucking with my work and everything. And then when when like she finally touches him because it's all part of a plan, he's like, Oh actually this is nice. Like <laughs> Yeah. That's that's kinda exactly how it goes. And yeah. I, I just it just occurred to me that we, we should probably say something about it because I, I wrote it down and I think it would be a bit too remiss of us not to mention it. There are women yeah. in eternity, a few, that are like liaisons, as in like the the way I put it, and the text doesn't say that, but that's how it sort of portrays, they're basically like chosen sex slaves. Yeah. Uh, to be very bold, but not that far off. Because yeah, they're yeah. basically like, oh, they, they're not that important, they can be selected, but they're basically that fulfill physical needs, and that has nothing <laughs> to do with their own desires or wants. It's basically <laughs> like, oh, I want you, you're gonna be with me. It even says yeah. that, like, oh, you're lucky that, like, she wants to be with you and not that, like, you're w lucky that she wants to be with you, too. So it's like, oh, so there could be yeah. a chance that you could literally just choose someone. Like, again, <laughs> I think this is negatively being portrayed by the actual work itself. That's like, look at how the society is broken. Which yeah, said, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just something I want to mention because, yep, that's a thing. Um, yeah. And that's something that's also part of ha Harlan's worldview. And he sees even that as negative, as sort of depraved. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as we as we get to the end, he, he's like, he's totally fixated on this woman. He's more obsessed than yeah. anything because he doesn't know exactly. her. There's no real exchange or, or like moments that they learn about each other other than like, and there's something which I felt was almost uncomfortable because yeah. he says, like, she was a child, an infant, and he was a demigod of eternity who must teach her and lead her carefully to the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly uh, what we... And I think it's perfect to talk about the ending of the book and the ending of the podcast. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's uh, where we're heading. Quite nicely yeah. segued. Yeah, the 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 whole point of it going like literally like the last lines are about like oh and then he decides to leave eternity behind because they he will have kids and their kids will have kids and he will be eternally happy with uh, noise and and that's it and it it's it sort of bothered so much to read something like that in the end of the book and and yeah. we're talking about like as frank said now and uh, it makes even more sense now to, thinking about it it's like marriage in the 50s and uh, uh, and historically in lots of situations was a bit like that it was like oh i know a person uh, uh, even taking the context yeah, arranged marriage, like, oh yeah, it's it's my daughter, and I think that the the son from that family is good, and then the the, the people talk for like six months, and yeah, off to marriage, you you'll know <laughs> it, you you you'll be able to uh, know yourselves and and discover yourselves during marriage it's like yeah. <laughs> holy shit it, this is completely preposterous and yeah. and that's why i think the ending is it, it it is solid 
just for that specific time, just for 55, because talking about like uh, a person that doesn't have, uh, as you were saying, they, they don't have depth. They, they have no connection. Exactly. They don't know anything about each other. They have no connection. And even so, they are like on a, basically like a, a statical crush on each other. And they are like, yeah, let's decide to end eternity and we will live together forever. And and, and that's basically the, the, the thing of the time. Like, oh, I, I just met a nice person. I should marry this person, even though that I don't know this person well. Yeah, and, and that's why we have in, in the 20th and 21th century the most divorces in basically all of history <laughs> yeah like uh, it, it's always interesting like because you know i'm catholic I, I i like the idea of marriage but it's like yeah it, it, there's there's not it's not that absurd that there are that many married that many divorces because like many of these marriages aren't that wanted or even good ideas so exactly. you know yeah <laughs> And like it, exactly. it, reading this ending now, it's so fucking jarring. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> so this is how we end on a shit exactly. romance? <laughs> a, a ro- yeah. the, 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 the romance saves humanity. It's like, oh, come on. Come on. Oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that, that's exactly like, just to, to wrap up everything. Uh, that's exactly my argument of this book that it, it it's almost like a painting like it, it it is well-rounded and it has some things that are clearly problems and and things that are like kind of stupid like this romance but at the same time the uh, as i i think i i simplified in a good way earlier when we were talking before the podcast that is like this book uh, as I was reading it, it it brought my attention, it brought my analysis uh, to a point outside of the book. I was mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking inside the logic of the book, like oh, wh- why Harlan should do this or shouldn't do this, and why things are like that. The book was like almost like an induction of themes and aspects of humanity and of time and of ideologies that made me think about my life and ideologies of the world and things. It's basically like thought-provoking story that is... It's almost like mythology, basically. It it doesn't need to make that that whole lot of sense and it doesn't need to be really solid in, like, narrative ways of, oh, why things happen like that, but it almost basically teaches you something. It makes you think about a certain aspect of something. Yeah, that that makes that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I yeah. I guess like sort of where I want to lead to a, a sort of conclusion and, and wrap up because this is like something I wanted to approach because I think this out of most of the elements, this one passes like subconsciously via Mar- via Asimov's like writing. I don't think. Because it's at the end, because it's so little developed, because it's literally just the ending, like the final yeah. notes, I think this isn't that yeah. um, well reflected. But it is equally as important, uh, which is like the idea that the basic state of humanity is 
like if we would be to be taking like the exploration of space and the galaxy like that would be one thing uh but it's not it's conquest of the galaxy it is a galactic empire it is a necessity yeah. to be the first and yeah. to that and i found a couple of things i read about it that's sort of positively which i don't think it is uh so it has a sort of a manifest destiny as like the true manifest destiny towards space i'm like no 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 that's horrible that's that's exactly what's going on here i agree but that's not a good thing at all like th yeah. this is really bad and th yeah. that's the and it's sort of true like to think exploring space now under these current conditions uh like the whole elon musk elon musk thing and whatever is sort of the exact yeah. same thing is the reproduction of the current logics here elsewhere which like changes nothing so yeah this is in the formation of a galactic empire there's something really i find kind of hilarious about like other than the point that like oh other alien species like they basically fed it off and prohibited humanity from going to other planets like hey i find it kind of weak now because yeah yeah, we have other better experiences of alien life and sci-fi that are like not just one thing. Like, yeah, you exactly. have the Romulans, but you also have I don't know, like the uh, the Vulcans. You have the Bajorans. You have the Klingons themselves. Like post uh, TOS, like Next Generation, are much more well developed. These the interaction with other species throughout a galaxy. When you think about these sort of scenarios. It's not just one thing. So, again, this all is a very ending point. This is not really developed. It's like just the, the what closes the narrative. It's just what you need to sort of wrap up the end of eternity. Yeah. Like, as much as I like the counterpoint, like infinity and eternity, I think that is good. But I think the way this eternity is, is portrayed is very bad. Because yeah. it really does portray, like, it is conquest. It is domination. It is imp yeah. space imperialism, uh, quite literally, for galactic empire, and it very much like a necessity of being the first. Uh, and sort of under all that, you even have like Noah saying like, "Oh, in the exploration of all these various planets, you have different experiences and different ideas and systems," as if it was some sort of. And I read it as such. I I think I'm pushing a bit, not much. Uh, which yeah. is like a sort of free market of ideas in different yeah. planets. So very much yeah. like a liberal thing of like, oh, look how it would be. Like people would explore and go and humanity would thrive in different ways and it would be free for people to take and go. And like, sure, sure, whatever you say. It's almost like the same argument against eternity. It's like <laughs> <laughs> as if in the world that we live in that is already has lots of problems and wars and and she chooses to sell say like oh there will be thousands of worlds and they will all will be beautiful and different it's almost like fake marketing basically yeah like people will be free <laughs> to do different things with these exactly yeah and yeah yeah, sure. yeah. What does that freedom yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like in that, especially with this, I read like, oh, so if eternity is the Soviet Union, that here we have like, like the land of freedom, the land of opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The free world, 
here we have the yeah. free world. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why, like, recently, I don't. I'm trying to think other concepts than the actual than like freedom. Looking more towards like autonomy because I think it's more interesting and doesn't carry that. Um, yeah. Overall, like, so wrap up and go because I I think I always enjoy talking about Benjamin and I think this is a very good point. <laughs> yeah. We we. This is a book that is really interesting. I like again. I, I don't like a lot of it, but it was a good read to talk about, to reflect on its elements, and as Bruno said, to like take a couple of things and sort of jump away from it and think about these greater ideas. What does it mean to yeah. change reality and for time to be flexible like that? Oh, it means destroying history all the time. Uh, it it yeah. means killing experience. <laughs> What yeah. does it mean to portray society in this way? Oh, you show these and these things. Uh, what does this mean? Or uh, this? what can this make us think? And through all this, uh, it's, it, it is like, uh, I think, one of the sort of maximums of, of the work we've been doing, which is like to go through these works and go through these reflections, like how can we think about them? How can we work through them in ways that, like, Finally, I think we read something that wasn't as good, which, it, it, again, like, is sort of the part we're going to be read good, we're going to be read bad. Like, the good and the bad can lead to both criti good critique, and we return to, like, what Bruno was saying, like, the ruthless criticism of all that exists. It's yeah. kind of ruthless uh, to oneself. Yeah. Uh, being a historian especially, you do get become quite a, quite a dick. I, I, I acknowledge <laughs> that. I try to be nice. But at yeah. least internally, you do get, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, but it's, it's interesting. Like, it's, it's been fun. And to wrap up my, my point about freedom and uh, the way we think, like, infinity as a way of thinking, like, autonomy to thinking of development, to think of both internal and external exploration, to think about how we connect, how we relate, like, infinity it, it, like because at the end of the day and that's history a great deal like yeah we exist in time and our time is limited that's the yeah. point and things will pass they do we're yeah. not eternal but in exactly. um, in our work in our time in our relationships in what we intend and strive to build in in our struggle we we tend towards infinity and that isn't yeah. concrete, but that is necessary. There's more than just sort of freedom, uh, if such a freedom exists at all, but exists a seek a necessity for that autonomy, for the development, for that creation, for that possibility. Um, in two ways, like, and uh, here's the point about Benjamin and my thing about freedom right now and other stuff, is that like, especially now, more than even more than in the 40s in the 20s 30s and 40s we need to think and reflect upon all this in concepts and ways that cannot be appropriated by fashion so yeah to think about freedom i think is a way that compromises that and i think it's a hell a difficult yet necessary imperative this that benjamin brings us so yeah like um yeah, I, I love talking about Benjamin, so why not you horn in <laughs> at, the, at the end? Uh, yeah. Quick, quick side note, 
John, the late crit guy from the other half of the Hall of Anger, he released a recent text on his Patreon as a primer on Benjamin. So if you're interested too, go check that out. Uh, always happy yeah. to share. So, yeah. yeah, at the end of the day... I think that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to wrap up yeah. in a neat way, unless you want to have anything else to say, sorry. No, no. At the end of the day, I think what we should and must do is think about ways how we can work and develop infinity. Infinity of connections, infinity of development. Not yeah. a, a concrete infinity, not like pure expansion, but exactly. you know, gradual, slow, like tentative steps. Maybe, maybe density, like becoming <laughs> infinitely dense, maybe in like it, it doesn't need to be eternal to be meaningful in a in a way that is uh sincere and in in that way like uh, and it may sound really cheesy but <laughs> like in 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 the relations with friends and and with your work and with your community and people around people uh, things should be less shallow and in in such a density that produces this kind of infinity uh, as you're saying like the, the the sort of capability of putting lots and lots of good aspects inside such simple gestures as i don't know being nice to your friends and being nice to your family and doing good stuff for for people basically absolutely and if yeah. you think it's fine, it doesn't need to be the case. But at the end of the day, I think what we want out of an infinity is a dense inf for a dense infinity of tentative steps. Yeah. Uh, it's that. Exactly. Like, it, it, it is the connection, it is the knowledge, it is the learning. And it is... It's, def it's not one of abstention, it's not a one of pulling back and staying away, no, but it's at the very least of these tentative steps, one yeah. little thing at a time, and yeah. to remain, to continue, to strive on best we can, end of the world and all. That's, that's our message for today. <laughs> yeah. from, <laughs> from the now fairly empty, but still just as meaningful halls of the left page library yeah <laughs> so thank you everyone thank you so much uh if you can you. please check us out on twitter at left page pod yeah. i share and write a couple of things on there including a couple of little insights that was heavy in anger at the time <laughs> about uh, this discussion and things about the book that i it was like oh this will become relevant later just wait yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> along with sharing other comments, work and other important podcasts. Beyond that, um, we're also on Patreon. We things got a little out of hand, but we should have a new uh, poetry club soon enough. There are a couple of things yeah. I'm working on that I should write for the reading corner as well. So that that's definitely something that I want to try and get on like uh, this following week. So hopefully, hopefully it'll be there soon as well. In any case, thanks everyone. Uh, we, we are on Patreon that at patreon.com forward slash left page. So please check us out there if you can, if you would like yeah. to support us. 
even if accounting is slow. There we we always appreciate it greatly, and it does mean the world to us that you listen and you can spare a, li a little bit or a little more to support and just keep these Brazilian comrades encouraged <laughs> and insistent upon an important work uh, yeah. with literature from here and from other places to the world, really, not to yeah. be too ambitious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thank you, thank you so much for listening. Till the next one. Game.